the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My text is from uh, St. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Recently, at the behest of my family, I have been writing my chronicles, a sort of account of uh, my experiences in life, whilst, as they say, I'm still around to record them. It's been an interesting and a somewhat nostalgic uh, experience. It's triggered many memories and some thoughts that I thought might be worth sharing in these very uh, different times and in the light of topical events. Over the years, various surveys have concluded that clergy tend to lead long lives and that uh, ministers have one of the highest levels of job satisfaction. And I'm happy to be still around to testify to that. Uh, so you may be surprised to learn that as a group, ministers also suffer from a good deal of stress. And a number in company with those such as doctors and social workers and police uh, experience an unpleasant phenomenon known as burnout. Now, when you hear of something being burned out, you think, don't you, of a blackened shell. You, you, you have images of Grenfell Tower in Kensington, good for nothing but to be pulled down. And occasionally that can happen to people uh, if they experience complete breakdown. But that's not actually what we're talking about here. Burnout is defined as a progressive loss of idealism, energy and purpose experienced by those in the caring professions. It leads to decreased efficiency, lack of interest in their work, decline in performance. It is the result of mismanaged or overwhelming stress. When I was a uh, synod moderator in North London, I was fortunate in having a sabbatical back in 1983. You're supposed to have one every 10 years, but it's the only one I managed in 50 years of ministry. But uh, I was asked to undertake a study into the pastoral care of inner city ministers, those, frankly, who do suffer quite a degree of... Uh, burnout. And as part of that, I had a rather fascinating week in the United States uh, and visited Washington, D.C. There on the campus of the cathedral in a large colonial type of uh, uh, house uh, is the Alban Institute, an organisation specialising in research into a whole host of uh, church-related uh, problems. Uh, but they spend a good deal of time on this question of clergy burnout and stress. 
And they concluded that one of the fundamental reasons for this phenomenon is role uncertainty. Uh, that means not knowing exactly what is expected of them, or it means having too many demands made on them, both by others, usually their congregations, or by their own high standards. And then lacking any proper way of determining their priorities. Now, at that time, the American churches, led by organizations like the Auburn Institute, took this sort of thing very seriously. But it was quite interesting when I returned to the uh, UK and started sharing my experience with my colleagues here. Um, um, Victor Guzelli, who was the Roman Catholic bishop in the East End of London, uh, began to tell us the, the large number of priests who were leaving the priesthood. And he cited several reasons. Some, of course, wanted to go and get married. Some had had a loss of faith. But he said the main reason given was uncertainty over the role of the priests in a materialistic, media-dominated society. Well, over those... Uh, three, three months of sabbatical, I, I talked to quite a lot of ministers and church leaders. Yes, I, I did detect a degree of uncertainty about exactly what is the role of a minister of word and sacraments. See, we've inherited a sort of stereotype, haven't we? The man of God amongst us. The preacher and teacher. The pastor and the visitor and congregations say they long for positive leadership but when a minister does show a little bit of prophetic uh, zeal in the direction they don't want to go the sparks certainly fly if you take all the ideas and expectations that churches have for their ministers and add them to a minister's own concept of what his job is all about, it isn't surprising that some are disappointed and frustrated and that more is not achieved. Likewise, amongst the perfectionists who try to do everything, it's to be expected that some will experience a high degree of stress and even burn themselves out. And so a major task for the church, for its training colleges and its synod moderators and its pastoral committees, is to help both ministers and local churches to define realisable, realistic goals and then set about working out how to achieve them. Now, uh, hitherto I've been talking about ministers, frankly, but you will be aware that these matters are not peculiar to those ordained ministers of word and sacrament. It's very difficult for a minister to understand his or her role if the church doesn't quite know where it's going. 
that period of acute uncertainty, you may recall in the 1960s and 70s, affected the churches quite drastically. When theologians started to talk about the death of God and questioning the divinity of Jesus, many Christians began to doubt and some succumbed to a secular society which told them you've never had it so good. The churches lost their way. Large numbers of members began to worship mammon. We became, I think, aimless. Now, I think in more recent times, we've experienced a seesaw of sort of boom and bust, of almost obscene affluence, then credit crunch, recession, austerity. Faced with economic instability, with regular terrorist atrocities, with dr drastic cuts in budgets, thinking people are realising that money, man-made ideologies, have not brought in the millennium. Thank God there are many now seeking a spiritual dimension to their lives. They're not necessarily looking to the church for solutions. Our public image, our record, probably don't warrant that. But they are at least asking questions about the deeper things in life. So maybe it's time for us Christians to begin identifying a few aims and goals for ourselves as the church and not just for our ministers. Before we ask what is the role of the minister, we need to start with the fundamental question, what on earth is the church for? And I think some of us began uh, trying to answer that, didn't we, at Pilgrim Hole not so long ago. Do you remember a report which I think the Church of England published it actually, it was called Faith in the City. I was reminded of it when I was doing my research. It advocated what it called parish audit. Now that didn't mean bringing in the accountants to check the books, uh, but rather it meant a careful analysis of the locality and its needs and the church's place in it and then trying to put the two together and planning appropriate action. The Roman Catholics had a similar thing they called pastoral planning, where they sent out their lay parishioners to listen to the people they met, at home, at work, at leisure, to try and identify what were those people's worries and concerns. And then they asked themselves, what has the gospel to say about these particular issues? And so the fundamental question is, how can a little of the light of Christ shine out through us into the darkness of today's world? I remember at the time we engaged in a process we called Mobilising for Mission. 
And we tried to ask in the congregations of uh, North London, where I was working, uh, we tried to ask these questions and to apply some of the lessons that we had learnt. We set up um, teams of what we called mission enablers to help the local churches identify doable objectives and encouraging them to have a go. Mobilising the skills and resources which were available in all the churches. Some of you may recall that um, a decade or so ago, the former East Sussex District Council, of which we were then a part, um, engaged in a similar exercise with the help of Sas Conradi. Do you remember him? He was the mission enabler we had in those days. I think that was when I came here and preached the, or told the young monk story uh, before early 2000s. As Jesus challenged the first disciples, so he continues to challenge his church down the years. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. So I still believe there are three tasks facing us in the immediate future. First, I think we still have to do this mobilising for mission thing, and that's why I entitled this sermon in that way. You, the local congregation, are the front line, the spearhead of mission. It's a task of the local church not just of its minister, to do its own audit, its pastoral planning. Don't start with a lot of preconceived notions. Listen. Take on board what people are saying out there, on the street, in the bus queue, when you're at the supermarket. Wherever you happen to be, with people in earshot. And then again, in your personal devotions and in your Sunday worship, listen again to the glorious good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then put the two things together. Just what is Jesus trying to say to all those people out there? As the Father sent him, so he is sending us, you, here in Linfield. Ask yourselves, how do we, as Christ's church, respond for him to the longing of people around us for hope and for love and for peace, for healing in their lives, for meaning to life? Well, it can mean all manner of different things, can't it? It can mean very simply, sincerely, sharing with the hopeless the hope we have in Jesus. It can mean fighting for someone's rights against some uncaring government diktat or some harebrained council scheme. It may mean opening up church premises for unemployed teenagers or local single parents and going on a rotor to serve coffee and show them that Christ cares.
but we shall never know until we seriously ask, what is the church for, here and now? What is Jesus calling us, asking of us? How and where are we being sent? Because that is what mission means, of course, being sent. Secondly, whilst our specific task is here and now as the local church in this place, we are part of something very much wider, aren't we? We belong to this central Sussex United area that are holding a joint service this evening at Perrymount. We share in that with our Methodist friends. We are part of the Southern Synod of the United Reformed Church. We're part of the family of Christians together in Britain. And then in turn, beyond that, we are part of the wider fellowship of the Council for World Mission, the World Communion of Reformed Churches, and the World Council of Churches. What does it mean to belong to one holy, catholic, apostolic church of Jesus Christ? We are part, you know, of, of an immense worldwide family. The household of faith. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to get a bit parochial, to forget our fellow Christians, some of whom are persecuted desperately for their faith by other religions or by the forces of atheism. One important aspect of our mobilising for mission is to become more aware of sharing in the global Christian calling to support the work of that wider fellowship through the, the URC Ministry and Mission Fund and by our own mission projects like the ones we embark on here, Romans 1.11, for example. To remember Jesus sent us to the whole world. And then thirdly, we return to the minister. There certainly is a specific role for the ordained minister. The person who is theologically trained to be spiritual leader and pastor, to be preacher and teacher in the local church. And as the church identifies its task afresh under the promised guidance of the Holy Spirit... So the minister's part should become clear. But we do need more. We need more ministers, full-time and non-stipendary. We need local or lay preachers. We need professional community workers and youth workers for a new phase in the advance of the life of the church. Now, we are all called, all of us, as Christians, to a form of ministry, of service. But maybe there is someone here who is called to a more specific sphere. Have you all considered that? We all need to examine our hearts and discern what is God's will and purpose for our lives.
Now, maybe you are saying, listen to him, you may feel uh, like me. It's a little bit late to be um, offering for full-time service in ministry or some sphere like that. But there are always things to be done as part of the work and life of the church, of its mission. Uh, Roles to play. And we can all pray that labourers will come forth for the harvest. So, friends, I call on you in Jesus' name to mobilise for mission. It'll mean different things in different places to different people. But make no mistake, we are all called. The Holy Spirit is leading and enabling us all, sending us, as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.